girls I join Hello, Amarin, and welcome to season two of Cults I Join. Drumroll, please. We're back. I can't believe it. I'm, well, I can believe it because it actually- Because it's on the calendar. We've been planning to record for a while. And yeah, this is is the time we have planned to record. Uh, But outside of that, I'll have to say, uh, I can't believe that we're already back in season two. And I can't believe that season one exists in the internet world for real. And I guess the real world, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's been such an interesting ride because we were just two girls that decided to do a thing. And it's actually like it's taking off enough so that we can justify making season two, which we really wanted to do for our our little nerd hearts. We sure did. (laughs) But it's we can justify it because people are asking for it, which is great. Um, So we're just so excited to be kicking off season two. I've got a whole new roundup. I was telling Amarin last night, it's very hard for me to keep surprises. Like, hey, here's your Christmas present. I just got you. It's, (laughs) you know, July. I'll get you another one. So yet again, I'm going to have to keep some secrets because it's really fun to surprise you, Amarin. Although Amarin is going to lead one of these herself this time, which is also very exciting. Something exciting on the horizon. I'm very excited about that. But also I am excited for a new season of being surprised by who we are talking about and getting a little flustered in the first 15 minutes of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Such a fun game for you. (laughs) It is. It's really a wild ride. (laughs) Also, we're going to bring back a little Madison action in this season. So we sure are. Yeah, she's going to step back in a little bit here and there. So for those of you who have missed her, which we're already hearing that you do, she'll be back just in and out. She's she's super fun. and has a lot going on, people. All right. So let's get to it. Amarin, season two, episode one, first group that we're going to start off with. I'm going to give you some hints. Let's see how far it takes you. All right. Hint number one, Nikes. Oh boy. <laughs> I might already know, but let's keep going just for fun. No, go ahead. Do you think, what's your guess? I don't, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to spoil the fun. I think it might, is it, is it Heaven's Gate? <laughs> oh, <laughs> she got it with Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Nikes was all it took for me on this one. <laughs> well, that's our show, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. It's been fun for the last uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, here was my list. My list was Nikes, Castration, Star Trek. Yeah. So for those of you playing along at home, oh yeah, I wonder if all of you would have gotten those hints. We, am- we had Amarin at Nikes. Could have got, Yes. Very good. But Amarin's in the club. She she knows what she loves and it's cults. Yeah. So we're starting out of the gate with a big one. It's Heaven's Gate. So I decided I'm, I'm going to I'm trying as I make the roster to, uh, you know, have no more than one group suicide per uh, season just to not drag us all down too far. It's a tough thing. And I'm laughing because I laugh at inappropriate times, mostly at funerals heartbreak situations it's a it's a tough thing it's a tough thing i never cry appropriately welcome to me so here we are at heaven's gate i'm just i'm just clearing it out of the way we're going to start off with a bang we're starting off with heaven's gate welcome to the nerdiest cult we will ever cover i say it with love okay all right so i'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown just the real basic facty facts and then we'll we'll go through you know, life in Heaven's Gate, what what they were doing, what led up to their ultimate end. 
Um, actually, before I even get started, though, here's a question for you, Amarin, because this is a question I've asked myself my whole life. Group suicide, is it a deal breaker for you? Big time. Yes. Uh, one of my first cult deal breakers, to be, to be honest with you. I think for me, it's representative of an element of like control from a leader that I'm really not cool with. Um, almost in most cases, I'm not saying in all cases. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love that like centralized power. And then everybody, it feels like is sort of like sucked into the gravitational pull that I see a lot that, that I very resistant to if I were to be specific, I'd say. I'd like to freeze and back up in time to tell everyone trigger warning. We can't avoid the word suicide. And and later we will talk about the specifics of how they go through that process. So if this is super triggering to you, just skip it. You, you don't have to listen to this. Wait for episode two. It'll be great. This one's not, you know, we'll have another episode coming up soon. Also, I am going to talk about this in not an upbeat way, but I, I'm going to talk about it in the way that we talk about everything, which is a little bit theoretical, but you know, so that no one thinks I'm being flippant about this. I've been very personally affected by suicide. I'll just say it. My dad committed suicide. Um, so it's not, it's not like I take it lightly or misunderstand its gravity. I just want to say that out of the gate. So there you go. Here we go. Um, oh, and to answer my own question, this, because this has always been a sticking point for me, obviously, because there are so many groups that I would love to join. So I've asked myself this for years. And I got to tell you, it's not a deal breaker for me. I mean, th this isn't this cult is not my jam, but I would have joined uh, Jonestown, which eventually we'll talk about, obviously. Um, and if they had said this is going to end in a group suicide, you know, it would give me pause. And I don't know what my, but it wouldn't be an automatic, like, absolutely not. Um, I have a little bit of an itchy trigger finger for my own off button anyway. I kind of have to stay on the straight and narrow of not being, being too depressed or isolated. Um, and the, the idea of loving a group so much and believing in something so fervently that I would enact the ultimate act, right. Um, and choose to leave my life earlier than normal. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility for me. I, I would, um, I, it's not a deal breaker is all I'm saying. Yeah. And I think, I think what you were saying, I think when you said belief, that's so important because I think sometimes when we think about things like this, and I've said this before in the last season, we think about something and we kind of respond with the reaction that I did maybe. And it sounds kind of like that. And the reaction is, well, no, because I look at cults like these and I see the big picture after everything is said and done in history. And I say, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't like that. But when you talk about being a member and being pulled in and believing that this really is like, like Heaven's Gate, this is a millennialism cult, you know, like, I'm sorry, that um, that's I don't think that's the right way to say that. OK, good. But um, millennialist. Yes. Um, so they, you know, they are all for the most part, actively believing that, you know, they're, they're in a space that is limited, you know, like the time is temporary. And if you are in that space and you do believe that, um, you know, the question is, could you get into that space? You know, I, and I think that you're being kind of honest and exploring that space. I think, you know, just to be, and, and, um, kind of opening your mind to the general. No, for sure. Reality that we can be persuaded as humans, if that makes sense, kind of, I feel like I'm over explaining it, but I feel like that's what the beauty about exploring this is like human beings through 
connection and community and that sort of thing. And this is why we want to look at these groups and talk about them to to explore who we are and how we fit into this fabric where these people are a real thing that that did occur in our history, right? So it's certainly not a deal breaker for everyone. Um, but yeah, I, if you told me at the outset, this group is going to end in, in suicide 10, 20 years down the road, it wouldn't, I, I wouldn't love it. And I may or may not join, but it wouldn't end the conversation for me because I would think, boy, sounds like I'm really going to be devoted to these people. And I'm, I'm into that. So I uh, just, you know, I just think that's interesting to ask yourself these questions and try to get really honest about it. Um, uh, and I will also just acknowledge, uh, I know that the people in Jonestown were in fact murdered and did not commit suicide. So that's a different boat. These people actually did commit suicide. So. That's a good call out. I didn't even think about that whenever you said it. I just didn't question you at all, but you're absolutely correct in saying that. Also, if somebody said this cult will end in group murder, that would be a deal breaker for me. <laughs> that would be, in fact, a deal breaker. I'm a hard no on that. <laughs> so That's an important line to draw. Okay, here we go. Let's get into Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate was founded in 1974 by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite, respectively ages 47 and 43 at the time. I did my own math on that, so nobody trust me. They are known within their movement as T and Doe, respectively. Uh, they first met in 1972 in a mental hospital where um, Bonnie Nettles was a nurse and Marshall Applewhite was, everyone's pretty sure, a patient, but he says he was visiting a friend, but I think he was a patient and most people do. Likely story, bud. Yeah, that one That one seems like a pretty obvious. <laughs> just, just swinging through and thought I'd talk to this nurse. I was... Just visiting jail, like on the Monopoly Square, you know, there's jail and then just visiting. He opted for that. I don't buy it. I don't. I don't either. I don't think any of us do, Mr. Applewhite. So they met in 1972 in a mental hospital with a really unhealthy power dynamic between them, one being a patient, one being a nurse, most likely um, already in middle age, which again, I'm not judging. I too am in middle age. Um, unless I live forever, which maybe I will. Maybe I'll find the right cult. Ultimately, we do not know. That's right. Pretty immediately. What they tell us is that they felt a connection. They felt they'd known each other. They just, they had like the zing, right? That they just like th that love at first sight spark that you get with people. Yeah, they had with each other, except they're oddly sexless people, but they, but they had the zing nonetheless, and they pretty immediately started identifying themselves as the two witnesses in Revelation. If you grew up in an end of days cult, as I did, you know that the two witnesses in Revelation are just central figures to the end of time. They're kind of rock stars in the apocalypse. They're also like such blank slates that it's really easy to project yourself into that role, your neighbor into that role. Basically, Basically, as long as there are two of you, you you could be the two. That's pretty much can't be three because it's the two. But that's that's pretty much it. If there's two of you, you can fit into that. And so that's who they pretty immediately decided that they were. Um, <clears throat> so pretty quickly after that, uh, they developed a friendship. He started coming over to her house. He had children. She had children. She was married. He was divorced. 
Um, he had just been kicked out of his professor job for having uh, an inappropriate relationship with a male student. Um, and it matters that it was male because I think this really plays into his psychology all throughout his life and everything that he told his followers to do. So he was fired from his job. Now, listen, you can't have a, a sexual relationship with your student regardless of where your genders are lined up. But um, I'm sure that at the time it was a million times more embarrassing and problematic and scandalous that it was a male student. In fact, at the time, they probably wouldn't have fired him if it had been a male female student. Maybe they'd have gotten him a special coffee mug. So <laughs> give him a pat on the back. Didn't know you had it in you. <laughs> you and the ladies. So um, that was a big deal and it had just happened. All right. So pretty quickly, they just effing bail, right? They're the now they're the two. They're from the book of Revelations. And so she was like, hey, children, uh, I'm not your mom anymore. Good luck with your lives. See, I this is the thing. And I, I literally referenced Bonnie Nettles last season whenever we were talking about a different female. I believe it was Love is One. Um, and I this always upsets me so much. I hate to hear this. Like totally un- unsarcastic or ironically, I hate it whenever I hear about this like, you know, what what seems to be mental illness, I would argue on some level, coming into these people. And then the, just abandonment. Like, that's so lame. I'm sure that was a very terrible experience for their children. It's such a dick move. It seems like such an obvious point in any cult leader's history. Like, you abandoned your children? Okay, A, I don't think any deity would tell you to do that ever. I truly don't. That's the deal breaker for me. Uh, but additionally, like, yeah, you just didn't like suburbia. You just didn't enjoy. I mean, like, I don't wonder why my husband left. He didn't like having a wife and a kid. Right. Very honest move. It turned out to be like less fun. He doesn't like doing dishes. He doesn't like taking the trash out. Like, you got to do that shit every day. He wasn't into it. Yeah, it just really, the reckoning was hard. Yeah, the domestic reckoning hit hard. It just, it pisses me off when people are like, oh, I got to abandon my family because I'm actually a deity. And it's like, mm, you don't like doing the dishes. Uh, that's a big claim when you just don't want to do the dishes. It's all. Do that. Do your fucking dishes. I, if you were a deity, I'd say you could do both. Okay. Thank you, Amarin. Thank you. All right. Back on track. Arguably. So they bailed on their families um, they, they, and they recruited a, another follower pretty soon out of the gate initially, uh, who was, surprise, another housewife with children who bailed on her family. Um, she did she did actually go back to her family. So that's nice for them, I guess. I wonder how they all talk about that at Christmas these days. I'm going to say this. I once got really angry at my son, Solace, and threw his cell phone out the window of our moving car into a grassy knoll. I was trying to make a point. It was fine. I needed him to learn a lesson, but I will never for the rest of my life hear the end of it. This morning, I took his phone away because he was getting ready for school and he was like, oh, cell phone 2.0. Like, he'll never let it go. So I just think... Hey, mom, remember when you left us to join the Heaven's Gate cult? Probably. And wasn't it, maybe you said this already, but it was like a couple of months, right? Like it was like no time at all, right? That she actually left. Yeah. So that would be very awkward. Like then you really would talk about it constantly because it's like, mom, remember that time that you left for less than half a year to go join? Really, mom? That's hilarious. I, yeah, I'd never let her live it down. 
hilarious. I love it. Are you going to join another cult, mom? May we, do we need to put a tracker on your phone, you know? Ah, I'm digressing. Okay, back back to the story at hand. So pretty, pretty immediately, these two, and they referred to themselves as the two or the UFO two, they hit the road on their own tour. They printed up pamphlets uh, that referred to Jesus as a reincarnated Texan. Surprise! That's where Applewhite was from, Texas. So he's he's the new Jesus. So they called themselves the two or the UFO two. They believed that they would be killed and then resurrected and in view of others transported into a spaceship. This event, which they referred to as the demonstration, was to prove their claims. Yes, I agree. This would prove your claims. It's a good point. If po- if true, yes. <laughs> right. If, listen, if you die, come back to life and ascend in a spaceship in front of our eyes, it would prove your claims. That would work. When you're right, you're right. So that was their plan. To their dismay, these ideas were poorly received by other religious groups. <laughs> like they literally, what they were doing was actually going on a church tour because they both came from Christian backgrounds. So they were going on a tour of churches and coming in and being like, hello, we're the UFO too from the book of Revelation. Uh, we came from a spaceship. Uh, you're welcome. And people were like... GTFO. That makes sense. Yeah, it tracks. Early days. All right. They resolved to contact extraterrestrials and like-minded followers. So they started uh, publishing advertisements for meetings. So then they started, this is the 70s. So they're kind of, re- they're, this is a big back to the land commune movement time anyway. So it was not hard to get followers to be doing communal stuff. So they just, they figured out that ch- the church people were not for them. And in fact, this is when they developed their, because right now they're believe they're developing their canon of beliefs, right? So they decided that all religion, okay, let me back up. This is a lot. They decided that, uh, and this might sound familiar to you again, as a person from sort of fundamentalist background, only with aliens. So they decided that all religions everywhere on earth, except for them are corrupt. And the reason for that is that uh, the Luciferians uh, who, who are aliens who came to earth thousands of years ago. Um, yes, they're the Luciferians. So they're bad aliens. They came here to be good aliens and usher in the, the kingdom of God. And then they got here and they were like, fuck it. We love the earth. Now we're, were on team lucifer and so they where were the guardians of the galaxy during this was there was there not anybody around to protect their their death predates the franchise but i assure you there would be a talking raccoon in here if they had gotten there because they really love science fiction of course you're right definitely incorporated into their religion so would that they had lived longer because that would have been a more fun uh illustration of their beliefs yeah. It does sound like a lighter alternative. Yes. It does seem like a much lighter thing to dedicate. Man, to they would have loved those movies. Time. They really would have. I won't make any more jokes about modern sci-fi. <laughs> <and affiliates. laughs> yes, you will. Um, okay. So so they believe that uh, all religion is corrupt. All religion is settled and camped up by these Luciferians who are ancient aliens who are on Team Lucifer and want to keep people in the dark and not let them know that they, in fact, can turn into extraterrestrials and leave the planet bodily. So so now this is a direct result of the fact that, like, they didn't get to sit at the cool table at the churches that they went to. They were rejected. And so they were like, we are the two and everyone else is Satan. So I say that this is familiar to you because 
Uh, didn't your church teach? Mine certainly did that the world is inhabited by evil spirits or demons that are clutched onto all the people around them and making them not receive your truth. I would say, which is such an obvious truth. Yeah, I would say like that. Yeah, with some slight word changes would be pretty close to yeah most of the of the people what most of the people believed in the area that I grew up. I would say like you know like it seems like that was a pretty common like whether or not they believed that like people were possessed by an evil spirit versus they were like they're just evil spirits and they cause blindness because of like worldliness and distractions right like it's just a it's just like a slight difference but you you have a spirit of alcohol exactly yeah you have a spirit of uh disobedience right like it's a real it's a it's quite a shift in how in your worldview and it was definitely my worldview growing up that any any problem to the smallest degree you have a, a spirit of sugar addiction right but it's a spirit of and it can be cast out because you are from this church and your nature is perfect ah uh, yeah so yeah i see Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not normal, but that's that's how I grew up. And so this is quite familiar to me. Only everything for them is through the lens of like everything is UFOs. And so uh, to them, it's aliens. All right. So Yes. Okay. Now they've decided that all religions are uh, satanic aliens except for them. So they put up posters everywhere. They start having group meetings away from churches, attracting more of the hippie types and the seeker types. Uh, they purported to represent beings from another planet, the next level. That's what they call you know, non-Earth, who sought participants for an experiment. They stated that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. Later in 1975, they were in Oregon um, and they started selling all their worldly possessions. They had amassed some followers by then. They had all their followers get rid of their worldly possessions. They had them say farewell to their loved ones. And around 20 people vanished from the public eye and joined the group. So they just went completely underground. Here is where... They remind us of the finders. They went underground for many years. And what they would do is travel. They just traveled constantly, um, collecting more followers as they went. They did pop up and have meetings and recruit people, but mostly they just talked to people in person. Um, I used to recruit for communes sort of like this. To be clear, I never lived in a, well, I lived in lots of culty communes, but the ones I recruited for were not culty communes and nobody ever asked me to recruit, but I loved it so much that I was in a fervor about how great it was. So if I saw somebody out somewhere that I thought looked cool, I always had a pamphlet and would be like, you should come live with us. And you know what? Some people did and raised their families there and it went well for them. So I feel fine about it. Um, but that's kind of what they were doing. Right. Um, What's interesting in, is during this time, they they cut off all contact with their families, which never changed. They always, they were, they were real strict about that, um, but they were very secretive and they lived mostly in camping situations and were just kind of begging on the streets and taking odd jobs and things like that to get by for many, many years. And so the really interesting thing is when people would seek them out to find them, the followers would say, because The group would be amassed somewhere camping in this desert or that forest. And their little like stragglers of people who they would send out constantly on recruiting trips would just have to go find them again. 
right? So again, it was, remember in the finders, how you had to find them. And then once you went through all the work to find somebody, you're a little bit more dedicated to the group because you had to go through some turmoil to get there. Because you had to put in the work. To, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It gives you like a sense of bonding. And I wouldn't even say it's like a false sense of bonding. I would say it's like, I don't know, maybe you could argue that it was, but, but, but I would say like, that seems like real team bonding. <laughs> no, I totally agree. So by the time they get there, they're already, you know, and then the people are impressed with them. Like, good job finding us. You're really dedicated. So they did that for a number of years. This will matter later, but when they'd send people out, they'd put five bucks and some quarters in their pockets. The quarters were because this is the world of uh, pay phones. Um, and then the five bucks was like, hope you don't starve. <laughs> You're going to need to dumpster dive on the way. So it was small amounts of money. The other interesting thing here is that they had what they called their checkmates. Let me make sure that I'm getting that word right. It's in my notes somewhere else here. Check partners. Sorry, check partners. I thought that sounded a little too chessy. Um, they have check partners. And so what they would do is everybody was paired with a check partner, which was basically there to check their behavior all the time and make sure that they were not leaning too much into their humanness. And that they were behaving in the way that the group would want them to behave, right? But what's interesting is that they only gave each other, well, the leaders gave the younger followers uh, only partners who they disliked. Yeah, it's interesting. My suspicion is that that's a very good cult tactic, because if you are set loose from a group with a person you liked, you're pretty likely not to return oh you're right that makes a lot of sense i hadn't considered that at all um i think that's the logic there right it'd be very easy to stay gone with like somebody you were really vibing with no for sure and and by nature people who join a cult or a cult or a group like this are seekers right they're seekers and so they're not done seeking just because they joined you they're done if they don't leave your walls but if they're out and they like another person they're going to bump into other cool things and it's pretty likely they'll be like you know what's great this other weird group that doesn't make me shave my head or castrate myself so but i'm getting ahead of myself there sorry i'm i'm spoiling the story that hasn't happened yet <laughs> yes 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 that was just some random figure of speech you know you've heard it before you don't know who's to say what's coming so anyway, that's how they live for many, many years, right? This will this will all come into play later. Back to where we are. Let's see. Lost in my notes here. Oh, also, so Applewhite and Nettles were mostly known as dough and tea. And if you're wondering, yes, that is a reference from The Sound of Music with the Doe a Deer song. It pains me. You while group yeah, while group suicide is not a deal breaker for me, the names Doe and T are, and they would based on on this reason, yes, terrible. Yeah, I can't. I cannot. I am not committing suicide for a guy I have to call Doe. I'm not going to do it. No, Doe a deer, a female deer. Doe a deer, and they would constantly watch that musical. You want to know why? The background on this, because even though uh, Nettles. Uh, T insisted very strictly that her followers die to the rest of the world and never, ever, ever talk to their families or have any kind of human connections of any kind. She never stopped communicating and sending the group's money to her daughter. And she and her daughter really loved the sound of music. So the cult had to watch the sound of music all the effing time. Ugh, that's terrible. I truly hate that. 
I also hate it. And I loved the sound of music as a child also because I grew up without a TV and Sometimes we would go, this is way back in the day, you could go to the video store and rent a TV as well as a VCR and then a movie to watch it on. Yes. So, yes, this is like in the early 80s. Uh, so on rare occasions, my family would do that. And we always rented The Sound of Music. So I loved that movie. But if if the cult I joined only watched it, I'd go I'd climb the walls. So their names were Doe and T, which is dumb, and I don't like it. There, I said it. Also, here's the other thing they went by, Bo and P. As dumb as they can be. Yes, I don't like I don't like the names. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. These are terrible cult names. I would agree with you. So many. Truly. You could come up with so many good names. That drives me crazy. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like these names. I've been, I've come out as a name snob in the past. It's true. I am a bit of a name snob, and I don't feel these are really meeting my expectations. I do feel Heaven's Gate is a great cult name. That's a great name. Yeah. It's really, it's one of the iconic ones, um, just in terms of names alone. We're not attaching anything else to that. Um, so I would say, yeah, really, really cool name there, and then really fell off with the leader names, and that's like- Yeah, fell off. Crucial crucial to really cinch that leader name anyway i i I lose track here but it's just true if you want advice that's my advice (laughs) maybe it saves some lives agreed agreed how many people were like i'm out (laughs) bow and peep thanks for the cookies yeah uh (laughs) no thank you (laughs) thanks but no thanks all right so Appleway believed he was directly related to jesus like in a in a downline um, meaning that he was, at, this is a quote, an evolutionary kingdom level above human. He believed himself to be Jesus's successor and the, quote, present representative of Christ on earth. Doe and T taught early on that Doe's bodily vehicle, which is what they called your body, your vehicle, was inhabited by the same alien spirit which belonged to Jesus. Likewise, T was presented as God the Father. And there was a hierarchy between them. They were not equal. T was the leader, Doe was the follower, and everybody else was under them. Um, in April 1976, the group stopped recruiting. Um, they, they, basically, their their turnout for meetings kind of, you know, stopped, it fell off. Um, and so, yeah, so basically at, at a shitty meeting where he got nobody to show up, he said, the gate is closed. Um, and they stopped recruiting and became reclusive and instituted a rigid set of behavioral guidelines, including banning sexual activity and the use of drugs. So here we are. They've now started living communally together. I'm going to take you through a little bit of their belief system and then kind of their day-to-day lives. Okay, so initially the group had been told that they would be biologically and chemically transformed into extraterrestrial beings and would be transported aboard a spacecraft, which would come to Earth and take them to heaven. They believe that to be eligible for membership in the next level, humans would have to shed every attachment to the planet. This meant that all members had to give up all human-like characteristics, such as their family, friends, gender, sexuality, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. The evolutionary level above human was a physical, corporeal place, another world in our universe, where residents live in pure bliss and nourish themselves by absorbing pure sunlight. This is actually also how I picture heaven, and I think that does sound really nice. At the next level, beings do not engage in sexual intercourse, eating or dying, and the things that make us mammalian here. 
Heavensgate believed that what the Bible calls God is actually a highly developed extraterrestrial. Um, we already talked about the Luciferians. Oh, I, th- I kind of think this, here's the thing. Food stresses me out. I have a lot of eating issues in the past. Um, so food stresses me out. So when I'm envisioning heaven, I waffle between like never needing to eat sounds really nice because then you never have to worry about whether you're correctly nourished or, or what have you again. That sounds really nice. But also then I alternate like, but, or like a nacho buffet mm. forever. Yeah. See, I like the idea of not having to eat, but just being able to eat what whatever you want. Yeah. That I think that's a pretty obvious answer. Okay, I I'm digressing again, but I just we needed to d- stop for a moment. I was like, I can't. That does not sound like like my idea of heaven because why why no food? But I understand. Thank you for explaining. Yeah, listeners, write in, tell us what your preference is, uh, food wise, for heaven. Let us know. Thank you. Let us know. See you there. They also taught their followers that all of their followers were extraterrestrial beings. However, um, th- in the seventies, okay couple things happened to change. So their their understanding of the universe evolves over time. So when all of these Heaven's Gate people are recruited, they are told that they do not ever have to die. Their body will ascend into heaven, which does happen in the Bible, you'll recall, and they will be physically transformed into their extraterrestrial selves, right? So that's what they're told, which, you know, sounds good enough. That's fine. You know, I guess I'd sign up for that. I don't see why not. Um, Then in the 70s, this idea of what people called walk-ins became popular. So the idea of walk-ins is that you were born a regular person, um, not you were not born an extraterrestrial, because how do we explain all these people walking around, living and dying in normal lives who never change? Are they all extraterrestrials? Are we, are some of us more special than others, right? So they came up with this idea called walk-ins, which means that everybody is just born and they're living their human lives. And then these extraterrestrials come into play and they pick out somebody who they deem worthy and they boot that person's soul out of their body and take it over and now inhabit it. Oh, oh, wow. That's an intense method. Yeah. Okay. Didn't see that coming, did you? Not quite. But there it is. Bam. So they believe that they are all walk-ins. Okay. Right? And the nice thing that this does is it absolves you of anything that you did previously. Right? Say that you hypothetically, for example, got kicked out of your professor position for sleeping with a student. Right. Hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Irrelevant because this guy did that, right? Not, Marshall Applewhite did that, not my walk-in. Not before I was elevated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jesus the Christ. He didn't. He wasn't here yet. They were my kids. Right? So, oh, I left my children. Well, I left Betty's children. Yeah, I don't I don't even know these people, right? Like so so that that was a real nice way to have a clean slate for them. They also believed that um that Jesus, let me just read this so that I'm getting it exactly right. Jesus was simply the name of the body of an ordinary man that held no sacred properties and was then taken over by a walk-in to deliver next level information. Okay, I see. That makes sense. I'm, I'm following. Yeah, I'm following. Doe's walk-in was the same walk-in who had gone into Jesus. Now it's in him. They also believed in something that other people, alien type people are really into the idea of 
uh, what they call ancient astronauts, which are, you know, the aliens that came in the in the early days of planet forming. And they're the reason we have pyramids and Stonehenge and they planted all these seeds. And now they're here for the harvest. Right. But they are they have always been end times focused, this group. Right. They definitely see themselves as in the harvest time. They definitely see it because initially their belief was always that they were going to leave the planet. It's just that initially they thought they could take their bodies with them, right? So their views evolve over time. One of the biggest things that their that made their views evolve was when T died of cancer in front of them. So here's T dying of cancer in front of them. I imagine they would have lost their faith entirely had they realized that T was also in constant contact with her daughter and sending her daughter the group's money while she's giving them $5 to go hit the road and eat out of dumpsters. I think that would have really, again, probably saved some lives. Um, but they didn't. But they watched her die in front of them. But now you're all in. You're 20 years into a cult by this time. Right? You've given up everything. Right. And so at this point, they decide. Again, I'm going to read this written because I think it's it's said pretty well. Um, so they just, this is actually something that they wrote. They have an active website that you can still go to, to this day. It is maintained by what people are assume are former members of heaven's gate who are still alive. Um, but it's, it's up to date. You can go. Most of the information I get is from them in their own words. So it says (laughs) they wrote in retrospect, it is quite evident how the premature introduction of more advanced concepts and understanding early on would have completely blown the circuitry of the comparatively primitive human computers slash brains that we were using. Our elementary lesson plan was, of course, extremely frustrating for our teachers who literally were not permitted to access the mind knowledge and even the memories that were previously on their own. This is a bit of what we would call next level humor. So that was very wordy. What they're saying is that the reason that they believed initially that they would transcend physically and then they watch their leader die and they have to go, okay, that was bullshit. That was never going to happen. Isn't because it was bullshit. It's because they only have human brains and they, their circuitry couldn't handle the reality that they would have to die and then go to space. Right. So the message had to be delivered in pieces so that now their, their beliefs can change any time because, because anything that changes is just, well, we couldn't have understood it earlier. So they had to. So it's funny that they say like, you know, it was frustrating to our teachers who were not allowed to know this previously and ha ha. It's a joke from the next level. So at this point, they're going to. That's annoying to me. That was an annoying (laughs) statement. I don't. For some reason, that joke, I'm just like, no, that's that's the line for me. Never have I heard such a deal breaker. (laughs) Okay, so here's. Oh, you mean just the corniness of the joke? That's like you just like the nerd humor is too much. I Well, yes, I think I'm one level, but also just like it's just like a big thing. And then to be like, that's just like a little joke. You didn't get it. <laughs> I just think it's wild. I hate it. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of groups have this this evolving ideology. And another group that will, you know, touch on at another time is the Quakers. They also believed mm-hmm. that they could evolve their ideology. And they believed it because during their religious uh, 
growth, um, the theory of evolution came out. Ah, yep. That's a, that's a game changer. Right. And they went, well, that looks like science to us. We'll have to re. So imagine that, right. I'm sympathetic to the Quakers when the Quakers go, oh, the theory of evolution was just released. This makes sense to us. Let us adjust our beliefs on creation. Right. I'm like, that makes sense. Quakers way to believe science. Right. But when these people do it, I'm like, guys, get your shit together. I don't know. Yeah. Who? Do, I don't know. I think we'll know for sure when we've covered both. <laughs> so I, I think I'm the one being judgy there. I don't know, because I'm true that true that. OK. All right. Uh, so now we're going to go to the structure and daily living in their communities. So here's here we go. Uh, they only allow people 18 and over to join their group. This is obviously partly because of the legality of dragging children into uh, what is a fairly unhealthy group of people. They do not want to be reminded. It's also because they clearly do not want and do not like children. Almost all of them are people who have left their children. I will go on the record. Really, really bad parents. No, I'm going to go on the record as saying Heaven's Gate, bad parents. You're all bad parents. Every last one of you. I, I will... I will hold my judgment on your group suicide, on your weird group activities. It's a fair line. It's a totally fair line. I will not hold my judgment on this. You are all bad parents. Mm-hmm. Take that. Shove it in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Which they would never do because they were very aesthetic. Okay. So only people over 18 were allowed to come in. The group was tightly knit and everything was communally shared in public. Each member of the group always carried, as we said, a $5 bill and a couple of quarters. They have a list on their website of like, they want people to join. They, they actually, they truly believe they're like the mothership and everybody else. They're the ark. Oh, I see. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a better, that's a visible parallel. Um, I'm surprised I didn't take that one up, but that's how they see themselves. Right. So, but there's a very strict list. When you go to their website, it says, come expecting to let go of everything, plan to burn all of your bridges upon committing to us. That means like, tell your family, you're never coming back, give away your car, give away your clothes. Um, you should expect celibacy and never to have children. Um, you cannot have any addictions. Uh, there are, you cannot come with any human preferences. That's like, oh, I like this kind of food. Oh, I like to be warm. I like to be cold. Oh, I like blue jeans. Like, no, you get no preferences. You have to drop your, the entirety of yourself. And this is on the website. Like if you want to come, this is what you're going to need to do. Um, no, you can't have any need for affection or attention. Um, and you need to be able to control your vehicle, which means uh, basically like you can't be a live with well but also like you don't chew with your mouth open don't be annoying you live communally now control your vehicle (laughs) right put your laundry away it's it's both practical and you know like a higher situation as well yes um the members of the group gave themselves three-letter names with the suffix odie which they meant so odie to them meant children of the next level so everybody used a couple of consonants from their name and then Odie at the end. So Jody, am Odie, right? Like everybody was somebody Odie, um, which again, I love the changing of the names for a cult. I'll never get tired of it. Hate this. This is not very clever. Yeah, this is, I, I, it, it's a little youthful for me. I feel. I don't like it. Also, um, they're super, super into science fiction. Science fiction is totally their jam. And this is where our paths diverge. I just don't like science fiction. No hate to anybody out there that does. It's just not my jam. My jam is Little House on the Prairie. 
So science fiction is the opposite of anything I'm interested in. So for me, aesthetically, I, it just bores the fuck out of me. I don't fucking care. I don't care if it's... Even if somebody came to me and was like, here's a video of the actual future with the actual technology, I would be like, eh. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I've never been a sci-fi girl either. I can like something briefly. I can I can engage with something and like it as a standalone thing or as a thing in that in that category, but I'm not a person that goes to that category ever, really. So I completely understand that. Yeah, it, listen, and I've read a lot of Philip K. Dick. I did try to, I did, you know, give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> And I see how many things are well-written and interesting and, and made for smart people. I'm just saying for me, it's it's fully not my jam. So, uh, But that said, these people were obviously super into Star Wars, super into Close Encounters of the Third Kind, super into Yoda, who they considered to be very wise. Where do they take that cue from, do you think? Y'all, Yoda is a puppet. He's a puppet. Yoda is a wise guy. Some, it's just somebody's hand. All right. <sighs> it's it, I'm trying to not be judgy. They can it brings out my inner cheerleader. The whole thing. I'm like, could you guys Yeah. So, apologies, that's my own aesthetic coming in. No. It's well, it's a safe space. You don't have to apologize. We welcome that perspective and people that uh, that like that that sort of thing too. <laughs> I have friends who are Trekkies. They're all about it. And, I, and I'm really happy for them. I'm like, man, this brings you so much joy. I will see you after the convention. So fun. I'll be happy to hear about it for roughly 20 minutes. Yes. Um, so the group also believe that God was... So now we're coming up to the 90s, right? Now, uh, when, they're, when T died, they made a very fundamental shift that went from we're all going to bodily ascend to we will have to die like she did to go to the next level. Right. So now we're in the 90s. Now we've got Hale Bop coming, which came in 97. Right. Hale Bop is on its way. Um, I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember hearing this at the time because um, I was just graduating from high school around this time and joining my first commune. So uh, what people said, I think this is true. Who knows? Who knows? Was that uh, Hale Bop had not been seen in the sky since the days of Noah. And in the book of Revelation, it says, uh, or not not in the book of Revelation. In the Bible, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, when will we know the end times are coming? And he says, look to the skies to be like in the days of Noah. So a lot of people took Hale-Bopp quite seriously because these were the rumors going around. I don't know the science behind it because, as I mentioned, I don't pay attention. So, <laughs> but but th this was not just them thinking this, but they obviously took this very seriously. I think it also bears mentioning, because they mention it, that they watched Ruby Ridge who we just talked about, uh, and what happened in Waco, which we will talk about, they watch those very closely. So they are also in a place of, of watching other people who live communally be killed by their government. And they were truly concerned, and they did talk about this, that you know the government and other religions who they consider to be satanic aliens would kill them next, right? So now, now you're looking at We've got this this comet coming. We've got um, we already thought it was the last days anyway. Now we've got you know other communities being killed on live TV by our government. It's starting to seem pressing. Right. It would be. It seems like it's aligning for them a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. So so they then decided that God was actually an advanced alien who was in a spaceship hiding behind the Halebop comet. 
right? So he was going to come very close to earth in a way that he had not buzzed by in a couple millennia. He was swinging by. And again, they were not the only people that thought this, but they they really, they were into it. So in the 90s, these people had fully retreated unto themselves. Initially, they had kind of like made do with whatever uh, communal things they could scrape together and share. But by the 90s, listen, they love Star Trek. They're nerdy McNerdertons. And surprise, they're super good at computers when nobody else knows what they are, right? They were actually one of the first people to have a website yeah. And if you go look at their website, it is like the ultimate in 90s. It looks like MySpace. It's uh, it is all 90s all the time. Very flashy, very neon colored because that's the 90s. That's that their creation is frozen in time. And that was the time that they were in. But they started making really good money because they're doing computer stuff in California at a time when hardly anybody even understood what computers or a network of computers could be. Right. They were doing website development when people we're just turning on to the idea that that could be a thing that existed. Uh, so they're making killer money, right? So, but inside of their culture at this point, um, they're only watching space shows. They're only, their language has changed dramatically. So um, they only talk about their body as their vehicle. They're completely detached from their body, right? They have their check partners always making sure that they, and remember, the check partners don't like each other. So they're really on each other's asses about like, you know, oh, did you say that you like honey? That's weird. You live in a you live in a vehicle. Why would your vehicle have any preferences? What are you, some kind of human who likes honey? Hmm? <laughs> right, right. Um, it had been a longstanding uh, tradition that they all look identical and be as genderless as possible. They'd long since given up having sex or having any sexual feelings. And in fact, most people, when they were kind of pressed to leave, it was because they were masturbating or like saw somebody else as sexually attractive. And they were like, absolutely not. This is where I say, I think that Apple White had, or Doe had uh, such trauma from being bisexual, which he was in a world that wasn't ready for that because he was born like in the 30s. Um, I think that I think that all of this sexual hard stopping was a result of him being just wanting to deny that aspect of life altogether, which I also think is a dick move. Yeah, it's not okay to force your trauma on other people like that and say that it's something else. Yeah, that's not cool. Hey, Marshall Applewhite, get a therapist. Go to therapy, sir. Work it out. It's a real... If you're out there in a new vessel... Get a therapist. We, I love my therapist. I was just telling Amron before we started this that my therapist uh, listened to our podcast and told me what a great voice Amron has and how awesome Amron is. <laughs> and then was like, and you sound very excited. <laughs> anyway... I think if it, had he had a therapist, I think maybe all these other people could have gotten laid, which again, I can't stop saying it might have saved some lives. It's true. Because maybe you don't want to kill yourself when you're having great orgasms. And maybe when you haven't had great or orgasms for years and years, you're like, what the fuck am I even doing here? Well, I mean, we know that we literally know that it was a deal breaker for some people. So within the group also. So um, they really strive to be genderless to the extent that. From the very beginning, when you joined the group, you shaved your head. Everybody shaved their head and they kept their heads shaved so that they were as identical as possible, but also so that they shed as much of their 
self-identity as possible because that was the primary focus of the group is losing and denying your humanness, right? Just, yeah, letting letting go of the humanness. Got it. I don't have a family. I don't have a background. I'm a walk-in. Whoever whoever that person, you know, whoever Amron was before, she, I, I don't. I'm not responsible for that. Yeah. Know that life. I just walked into this vessel. Yeah. So, um, so, so everyone having identically shaved heads and matching outfits is yes a very easy way to turn that page. No, don't, don't promise anything. Nothing. I will stop digressing. I swear. No, I won't. Even groups that I've joined, which are unequivocally disappointingly not cults. Um, it is a joy to shed your old stuff. It is a joy to change your name, to change your appearance. How many women get bangs when they're having a tough time? All of us. Literally, I've done it. All of us. You may think that this is a generalization, but stop and ask yourself, did you get bangs though during a tough time? (laughs) (laughs) Because I used to be resistant to it too. And I was like, no, that's not a thing. Stop generalizing women. And I've done it twice. So yeah, no, 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 no. Can't talk on it. It's true. You could chart the traumas of my life by how many times I showed back up with bangs. There you go. There you have it. Easy peasy. Not all women, I know, but nonetheless, that's. it's just such a, it's a great tool that we have to be able to break from a past that hurts us. Nobody comes into adulthood without hurts, you know, and if you can go, sorry, mom and dad, I never even met you and I don't remember any of this there are ways that that's painful, but there are ways that that's so freeing. You know, I've changed my name so many times to live in different places that I don't feel particularly attached to my name. Guess what? That's actually really nice. You know, Jessie Cox from my childhood had a lot of shitty stuff happen to her and it sucked. Mm -hmm. And I am glad not to be her anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I have a therapist, so I can integrate things slowly and, and reintegrate my life. But I'm just saying to shave your head and start dressing identically to other people and ditch your family and pretend you never existed. There is a freedom in that that anybody would be drawn to. Anybody would be. So I do understand that. I, I understand the draw for that. But that's what they were doing. All right. Back back on track here. So their daily lives they're striving to be genderless. This did eventually lead to them actually castrating eight of the males in their group. Um, and initially, they tried at-home castration. Now a break from our sponsors, at-home castration. Oof. Yeah, that is a nightmare sentence, Jesse. A nightmare sentence. It's a nightmare description that I think it was on the HBO special. They really... I pass out easily, so I had to stop listening. It was gruesome but they the men were so excited to get to castrate themselves to further their um show of of dedication to this group that they had to flip a coin to like see who won the prize of getting to home castrate first my eyebrows shot up listeners i was so surprised to hear that i did i really was that was shocking i've i've heard about heaven's gate before i didn't know that little piece I, oh, I can't imagine. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little better, at least. I'm glad that this was consensual. I'm glad that they were into it. They were super into it. It could be argued that, that, you know, they were entering into this on some false pretenses, like, 
you know, some lies previously told to them by their leaders that led, left them more dedicated than they should have been. But nonetheless, here they were. They were all about castration uh, because they were struggling with these are men in the prime of their lives. They were they joined. Most of these men joined in their late teens, early 20s. So, yeah, if you're going to stay in the group, you're going to kind of need to be castrated if if having a functioning penis is a problem for the group. Right. Anywho, so they 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 tried an at home castration. Um, go ahead, take a moment, close your eyes wherever you are. Pull over off the road if you're driving. Take a moment to picture what an at home castration might look like and all the ways it could go horrifically wrong. And then just know that that is what happened. If you're driving, listeners, please don't pull off the road. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that's horrifying what you just said to me. Oh, yeah. It is horrifying. I believe it was on the HBO documentary about it, which is a good documentary um, that they described it. Uh, so thankfully they went to the hospital they didn't want to go to they didn't want to medically ask for castration initially because it would make them look like a crazy cult they're not wrong but yeah um and thankfully they took i mean it didn't work out well in the end anyway but thankfully at the time they didn't go oh shit guess you're gonna bleed out you know <laughs> see you on the spaceship they took this person to he absolutely would have died um but they took him to the hospital and then eight of them did get medically castrated in a less horrific way um yes so ultimately these people they weren't kidding about being genderless to an extent that many of us may not have chosen to take it so i i just that's an that is some dedication that i am impressed by it's yeah that's a that is a very high level of dedication we can agree that's a lot so their daily lives were extremely regimented again a lot of what they did was based on watching these star wars and star trek and things like that they basically liked pretending that they were in a ufo already and so like food is rationed very precisely bathroom breaks are rationed everything is at 801, we do this. At 807, we do that. So their entire days were rationed out like that. They were also really obsessed with eating healthy food, a common commune thing, right? Um, they were really into the master cleanse. Um, the master cleanse, very popular. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's where you do nothing but a mix of lemonade, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup. They did the master cleanse for three months once. Oh, okay. I know. Again, Deal breaker. Hmm. Group suicide. Yeah. I'll consider it. Three month master cleanse. Couldn't do that. Yeah, Passed. Can't do it. No, thanks. That's way too far. Yeah. That's, that's, mm -mm. don't like that at all. Yeah. I'm out. They were all um, fairly frail and ghostly looking. So I will say that. Um, probably due to this master cleanse. Um, uh, one ex member who survived the exit said, This is an interesting quote everything was designed to be an exact duplicate. You were not to come up with, Well, I'm going to make the pancakes this big. There was a mixture, a size, how long you cooked it on one side, how much the burner was on, how many a person got, how the syrup was poured, everything. The men even shaved their faces in a similar way. More nose for me. Yeah. All very interesting. And now we come to their last night. And then I, I will next I'm going to go into the actual actions of the suicide. But I will say on their very last night, which they very much understood to be their last night, um, and they had made elaborate preparations beforehand. I think this is kind of sweet. 
They had their final meal together in a big group dinner that took place at a chain restaurant that they frequented near their home. It was Marie Calendar's. <laughs> they just they just like Marie Calendar's. Like the Cracker Barrel. How? That's another surprising twist. They just had to go out for a little bite. That's. I think it's sad, and I think I mean it's sad that they were in a group suicide processional. It's sweet that knowing it was their last night, they did a cute little dinner thing at a place they all liked. That is cute. Yeah, it is sweet that they had a little dinner. I like that. Yeah, I mean, as these things go, that's nice for them. Um, so True. here we are. If, if you're triggered by this, this is the point to turn it off. I'm going to tell you about the days of their suicide, which did, which was a couple days process. In October 1996, the group rented a large home, which they called the Monastery, a 9,200-square-foot home. Uh, they paid $7,000 per month in cash. The same uh, month, the group purchased alien abduction insurance, which would cover up to 50 members and would pay out $1 million per person. The policy covered abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. Pause quickly to say, I they bought this insurance. This insurance exists, and I think we should sell it. That's, yeah, I was going to say, who was selling this insurance? It still exists? I think it should be us. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, it existed for them to buy it. This is the most rackety insurance I've ever heard. That's truly hilarious. They were like, I mean, we'll pay out a million dollars a person if you get abducted by aliens. I feel like as a business owner, the odds are in your favor on this one. I think you're right. I could be wrong, but I think you nailed that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I just think logistically, if you're abducted, impregnated by aliens or killed by aliens, you're not going to collect anyway. No, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. I think cottage industry. Wow. That's, just, you know, just I'm putting it out there. Something to consider. Amran, we'll talk about the business possibilities when we get off the phone or off the Yeah. Okay. All right. Table it. Table it. Yep. I'll put, I'll put the numbers to, to, to ease now. Yep. Okay. Moving on. On March 19th through 20th, 1997. Marshall Applewhite taped himself in what he called Doe's final exit, speaking of mass suicide as the only way to evacuate this earth. He persuaded his 38 followers to prepare for ritual suicide so that their souls could board the supposed craft. They believed that their deaths uh, would take them to an unidentified flying object, a UFO, which would take their souls to another, quote, level of existence above human, which he described as being both physical and spiritual. Their preparations included each member videotaping a farewell message. The suicides took place over the course of three days. To kill themselves, the members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding and washed it down with vodka. They secured plastic bags around their heads to induce asphyxiation. All 39 were dressed in identical black shirts and sweatpants, brand new black and white Nike decade shoes, which were discontinued afterwards, uh, and armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team. This was a joke uh, and a reference to Star Trek. They like jokes. Each member carried a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. According to former members, this was a humorous way to tell us that they had all left the planet permanently. The $5 bill was covering cost of vagrancy laws and the quarters were for calling home from payphones. After each one died, a living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head, followed by posing the body so that it lay neatly in its own bed with faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth for privacy. The two surviving members 
said that the identical clothing was a uniform representing unity for the mass suicide, while the Nike decades were chosen because the group got a good deal on the shoes. Wow. <laughs> uh, the th- also, Applewhite um, Doe really liked Nike. Um, so that was kind of his chosen aesthetic and they all went along with it. And they used to love repeating Nike's slogan, just do it, but they would say, just do it. No. Why are they so nerdy? Guys, I know to the end, um, the 39, I bet they had a lot of fun amongst themselves. I don't think it would be a fun party to attend. No, I would have to agree. I don't mean this. I just mean in general, if they had heaven's gate parties. Uh, the 39 adherents, 21 women and 18 men between the ages of 26 and 72 are believed to have died in three groups over three successive days with remaining participants cleaning up after each prior group's death. The suicides occurred in groups of 15, 15 and nine between approximately March 22nd and March 26th. Uh, their leader, Applewhite, was the third to last member to die. Two people remained after him and were the only ones found with bags over their heads and not having the purple cloths over their face as no one was there to do it for them. On March 25th, an ex-member received a package, uh, which was, it contained two VHS tapes. One was Doe's final exit, and the other was farewell messages from the group followers. The member rushed to the house, seeing these things, found a back door left intentionally unlocked to allow access, and used a video camera to record what he found while alerting authorities. This sparked a copycat suicide of a 58-year-old man in a different part of the country, um, and at least three former members of Heaven's Gate died by suicide in the months following the mass suicide. So I'm going to try to get through this. We're, we're taking a lot of time here, this, so, which is my fault, and I always do it. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I do want to read a couple of these things. If you go to their website, um, it is packed with information. They actually put out a book before this happened, so you can download the whole book there. Um and every member wrote an, what they called an earth exit statement. Um, it, they're very long. They're well-written. They're very wordy. And they mostly all say the same thing. So I summed it up a little bit. So they each wrote uh, a heading of why we must leave at this time. And that was like why the world is ending and we can see it and we have to go. And then they wrote why I want to leave at this time. So I'm just going to read you one of them. Um I I summed up everybody's why we must leave at this time. Here are their reasons. Too much government control. All earth religion is false and does not recognize tea and dough. Uh, The power is concentrated with the few elite. And in practice, we already have a one world government. Earthlings are, quote, asleep and are never going to, quote, get it. Uh, Terrorist and militia groups are rampant. Money systems uh, instead of barter systems make people trackable and trapped. All true. All fair points. Um, So uh, this student, Chakoti, said this, why I want to leave at this time. He says, these are my personal reasons as an individual for making this choice. One, the main reason that is that I know who T and Doe are. They are members of the kingdom of heaven, and I know it. I knew the day I met them. I can't explain the reason for my recognition unless I knew them in a previous life. Two, it is hard for some to believe that I would choose to follow my teachers in this transition, and that's because they incorrectly identify me with the vehicle body. Um, some may try to find something in the vehicle's past to explain this so-called bizarre, in quotation marks, behavior. 
but there is nothing there to find. This vehicle had good parents and the vehicle's life was happy and normal by any standards. We know it was hard for some of the relatives to accept the choice we made, but this is not any fault of ours. The pain they feel is rooted in ignorance of who the Heavenly Father is and his right to call those souls ready to return to his house. There's only one real family and it is not determined by the flesh. Many times I wished those who knew the vehicle could share in my joy, but their misunderstanding blocked them from taking advantage of the joy I offered them. I have been so lucky to have had T and Doe as my teachers and older members. The most exciting thing is that the wait is almost over. With great joy, Chikoti. March 22nd, 1997. Another member said, this is his why we must leave at this time. We seriously considered moving out of this country. So they, 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 they were kind of at the end, they were brainstorming ways to get out of what they saw as their only way. They were trying to get out of it. He said, we seriously considered moving out of this country, but there seemed to be no place on the globe that would allow us to live as we would like. Christian oriented countries um, already exist and treat us the way they treat us. Uh, they are the quickest to condemn us, even though we are the return of what they say they love. We examined the Muslim nations. We like the fact that they put allegiance to God as all important, but they are so restrictive in some ways to those who are not Islamic. In addition, many of these countries would not allow our female classmates to dress according to our guidelines. We examined India and the Buddhist countries, um, but know that we could not have gone on there and lived openly with who we are without attracting more followers. Because <laughs> seekers tend to go to those countries and they're like, well, we don't want everybody jumping on our ark. Our classroom is over and followers would have been a distraction to our next step, earth exit. There is no place for us to go but up. Um, he says, why I want to leave at this time. I know who my older members, T and Doe, are. I believe in, cleave to, trust in, and totally rely upon them. I know my older member, Doe, is going to his older member, T, at this time. Once he is gone, there is nothing left here on the face of the earth for me. No reason to stay a moment longer. Choosing to exit this borrowed human vehicle or body and go home to the next level is an opportunity for me to demonstrate my loyalty, my commitment, my love and trust and faith to T and Doe and the next level. The door out of this classroom has always been wide open. We never expressed animosity at their leaving, but instead sent them off with hugs and best. He's talking about people who left the community. People could leave, um, which is was, I think, true to the very end. I don't think anybody felt like you know, I don't want to do this and I'm being forced to. Um, there is no life here in the human world. This planet has become the planet of the walking dead. Suicide would be to turn away from this incredible opportunity I've been given to turn my back on the next level. Um, nowhere else could I have found any friend as precious as each one of my dear, dear classmates. I can't believe there is no God, but even if I knew that to be the case, I would still choose this path if I had to do it over again. The human world is a hideous hell due to all the poor choices humans have made since the beginning of this civilization. So that's that. Um, that's just a little bit of a sampling. I, I wrote a big thing about the aftermath and I'm not going to read it all um, just because I've, I've yacked a lot, but I will just say, if you look at their website there, it's, it's a strong call for people to follow in their footsteps. Um, 
and try to leave their humanness and then leave their bodies to hopefully get to the spaceship with them. Yeah, yeah. But again, former members hold this site open to this day and consider it an ongoing last call. Yeah. So that is the story of Heaven's Gate. You know, I think about those people on those last couple of days. I wonder how scared they were. I wonder how sad they were. I know that they expressed uh, happiness and excitement. And I'm sure that approaching your death makes you giddy. Right? Like, hard to focus. Heart beating fast. I'm with all these people. I've decided it's going to be great. Um, Just, you know, obviously, I wonder... I wonder how much they only express joy. I wonder how much sadness or doubt existed for them. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a sad story. Obviously Um, they don't view it that way. And even their ex members who are still with us seem to mostly feel like they missed the boat. So that is, that is the story of heaven's gate. Um, I will just say as an aside, the week that this happened, I was joining the commune that would be my first and main commune in my life. Like there were, there was a 2020 on it that I watched the night that I was waiting to leave in the morning. I had given away my car. I had set aside all my stuff. I was leaving the next day and and this had just happened. And so there was a big expose on it um, on 2020. And uh, so that was an interesting time to be watching that because I didn't know what I was stepping into, which was disappointingly not a cult. was certainly not a cult and definitely wasn't anywhere near uh, the level of cult that was what you were seeing. Yeah. Um, but that is such crazy timing and always will be a part of that story, which is really interesting <laughs> for me. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember this in real time? Cause you're younger than me. I don't remember this in real time. No, I don't have, I remember this like earlier in my life than now of course and i've definitely heard of it but i don't remember it as it happened no Mm -mm. so what are you do you have any what are your wrap-up thoughts on heaven's gate i know you you came into it knowing the story of heaven's gate it sounds like you learned some things along the way what's your takeaway this is a good question so yeah i was gonna say i feel like this one doesn't lend itself very well because of the nature it is of the cult uh, to our traditional wrap up um, where we ask about joining it, et cetera. Um, However, I would say that I don't think even if I'm opening my mind and thinking about the space that I might've found myself in, if I was in that place in time, well ahead of any precedent being set um, for how things might go um, and just getting to know these people or trying attending a meeting and hearing about it probably wouldn't have worked on me personally. Uh, we already discussed that I'm not huge on the sci-fi thing. Um, I don't like the names. I do know I have do know from another bit of research that I did that they put like the, the T and Doe stuff like on their pamphlets, like it was on their distribution materials, which I only point out to say like that would not have worked on me. <laughs> As you pointed out, (laughs) I I have seen little pictures of some of the things that they've distributed um, in recruitment. And I just, my read is that it would not have worked probably or for moi. Um, However, I am, I do think they're pretty wild. I think this is pretty wild group. I think they're definitely up there on the 
intensity scale. Yeah, let's let's give them their ratings on wackadooiness. What do you give them? They're going to be like a nine. These guys get these guys get a high score for me. This is a big. Yeah, I think I'm a ten out of ten. I think I th- I I don't I just I was afraid to give it the ten because because it was like oh, I suddenly I knew this was coming but I felt pressured. But no, I'm I'm going to stick with the nine. But also like yeah, I could easily go to a ten. Like this is this is that level of seriousness. Very wacky. Um, very intense commitment all the way through and just just weird also throughout just a lot of weirdness what's your what's your rating on their aesthetic Ooh, it's gonna be low um it's not gonna be super high i don't love the aesthetic it's probably gonna be like a a five which is not oh wow you're generous that is generous i i think five for me in that like i feel like it was unique and i feel like it was i feel like they really kind of did something with this aesthetic direction that they were working in. I think it's r- notable. I mean, there's a shoe that was discontinued and is like infamous because of them. Um, and that's... Which they just got a good deal on. Which they just got a good deal on, yeah. And I'm not making light of the fact they're wearing these shoes, though, I hope. But um, just like, I do think that they really had a distinct image and I respect the distinctness of it, I would say. So I give them a five, but I don't like it personally, which is why it falls in the falls right in the middle for me. You know, I was going to give them, I've been prepared to give Heaven's Gate a zero out of 10 since I thought of making this podcast. Um, but I'm going to bump them up to a one now <laughs> because you're right. There was a lot of intentionality and I can kind of get behind the shaved heads. So, but again, it's just not to my taste. Um, so would would they have gotten me? Not at all. I would have been a no on the uh, uh, the names of the cult leaders for sure. Was a no. Sci fi is a no for me. All, I'm just not an alien girl. None of that would have appealed to me. However, had they had exactly the same beliefs but with different trappings, had they been like in prairie dresses and they were like, "We're going to leave the planet on wagons," and um, you know, we believe that we're not aliens. We're like uh, prairie fairies. I I would have been all in. the lifestyle, even how strict and how aesthetic it was. As a person who was joining communes at eighteen and nineteen, I was looking to be that dedicated to something, as I think any of their members were. Right. So, would they have gotten me with different packaging? Yes, they would have. I think I lucked out joining a community that wasn't a cult because I was actually looking for a cult. And I think the people who joined, you know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, you never join a cult. You you, you never think you're joining a cult. You think you're joining this nice group. I, I actually disagree. I think a lot of seekers are looking for something pretty culty, um, whether or not they'd actually call it that. Um, so I had they packaged it in the exact opposite way that they packaged it. I would have been on board for that. Um, but I hated the packaging. Packaging was not good. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's a fair rating through and through. I would have to agree. Well, blessings to the people in Heaven's Gate. I hope that your beliefs bared out for you. Who am I to say that they didn't? And blessings on the people who didn't leave that day because you got a lot more days on this planet to experience yes yeah where that's that you know it's very gosh it's hard to know what to say because it is someone's personal choice and they did say out loud um in a lot of their things that they were 
putting out to the world that they were happy about this and intentionally going into this consensually um, throughout. But at the same time, yeah, it's I feel very grateful for people that made the decision to step away, you know, and continue to bravely lead their lead their lives because it's it's sad but um i don't know it's so complicated because we really don't know what's what what is up with any of this stuff and we really can't say that we're an authority right and and how far do we go in the name of freedom right like um i i promise i'm going to wrap this up within the next two minutes but let me say this i lived in a commune for a long time where um one of the members at one point was doing such a deadly drug that this member was going to die very quickly and everyone could see it. So I I lived in this community where um, a member was doing such a harmful drug that, and it was very visible that this member was going to die pretty soon. Um, And in this community, Freedom was the number one valued thing. And so we had to, we had a community meeting over and, and people got in very heated fights. It was a long and dramatic meeting that I remember clearly. Um, I'm sure everyone does because the question was, do we allow this person to kill himself in front of us in the name of him being allowed to direct his own path? Uh, Or do we intercept and physically stop him and the only way to stop this person is to like lock him up. Like he, he will not, I'll just, I, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences because I'm, I'm not saying anything about this person, but this, this was a, a, this was huffing gas, gasoline. Right. So I'm not even saying like, Oh, opioids will get you at some point. I'm saying this is a completely accessible drug, no matter what it's um it will kill you quickly it makes you crazy it's extremely visible when you've done this so here is a group of people who value freedom and autonomy above all else and they're watching this person and this isn't like a rando that just got here this is a person who's lived there without this problem for years so is beloved and deeply cared for so nobody's being flippant about this nobody doesn't care what happens to this person but it was it was a strong debate you know, with people saying, if this person wants this to be his life path, who are we to stop him? And then other people going like, well, I'm going to personally tie him up because I can't watch this. Yeah. I I fell on the tie him upside, but um, that's no surprise to anyone who knows me. Um, But but it is an interesting question. This, these people were not, were they coerced? I'd say absolutely they were. But were they um, conscious, consenting adults? Yeah. So I, I don't know where my feelings lie on perfectly responsible adults making life decisions that they made over years in time. So, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think that when we look at it on the from a really high level, um, yeah, the feeling is that it is a negative thing and that there was coercion um, and over a long period of time. So it's a fair it's a very fair feeling and it's very fair for there to be a lot of different emotions and reactions around the concept of something like this, um, this and things like this happening because it's very serious and it's very complicated. Um, and 
yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. Another, another interesting and difficult to talk about situation with cults, basically. I'm glad we can cross it off our list. <laughs> yes, me too. As much as it's exciting and relevant to talk about a, a, a cult like Heaven's Gate, which has a lot of notoriety, I would say, and people do engage with in media more than maybe some others that we've talked about and will talk about. Um, it also is kind of a dark cloud one because at the end, you always know that you're going to have to talk about very, very heavy subject matter. Um, so... Yeah, it does feel good to have it uh, behind us. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're not being tongue in cheek when we say seek therapy. There's therapy is more and more accessible every day. My Obamacare pays for mine. Thanks, Obama. Thank you, Obama. We love you. <laughs> um, we miss you. It's 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 just more accessible all the time. Um, and truly, had this cult leader had therapy, he would not have needed to lead everybody else down this path. I believe that to my core. So. Guys, we wish you health and well-being. Love and light. All things good. That's all I got. Hope you have a good week and that things are going well for you. And that you're excited like we are about getting into season two of Coltside Join. I feel like we need to end this on an up note. Amarin, say something funny. Got anything? Oh, boy. I don't think I do. <laughs> I don't think I do. Something that you guys missed over the break is that I gave myself a pretty miserable concussion because I ran face first into a glass door that I did not see there. Uh, it was horrible. I missed my birthday. It super sucked. <laughs> but and my son at the same time was somewhere else and he ran into a cabinet door. Um, and so I know. So at the end of the day, I got back together with him and I was like, man, we both had a rough day today. And my son goes, no, I had a rough day. You went full bird. <laughs> I was like, Jesse, I don't know how this is going to be funny. This is I'm so sorry that happened to you. And that is truly the most hilarious thing you could have said. He went full bird, mom. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you did. To be fair, you did go kind of full. Yeah. <sighs> Little palate cleanser. I did. Full bird. I'm still scared of anything glass. I'm just like pausing at every doorway. So. All right. Love and light, y'all. Amarin, I adore you. Until next time. Until next time. Happy culting. I join. Ooh, I join. If you are loving cults, I join and want to help us share the fun. Here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at CultsideJoin on the .com, the Facebook, and the Insta, and then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb, and the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening, and happy culting! Cult.